we are experiencing a national moment of change. For some, it has been a singular sustained cry called out for generations and over centuries. For others, it is the first ring of a bell long unheard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever your experience is, it's a time to stand up against racial injustice. We here at the Out of Practice podcast pledge to stand up and support equality and justice. Please join us in raising our voices to support reforming our policing and judicial system. Participate in a peaceful protest. Support an organization committed to fighting for equality. Speak up and speak out. But most importantly, vote. Not only in the big national races, but in your local elections and primaries. Your voice matters and your vote counts. Black Lives Matter. Back in high school, each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host. Keith Varney. And Frimpin, Mike, and Deglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it. Check your hair! It's week two of YouTube! Bringing you the RC Cola of live streams. <laughs> the GoBots. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast. We are a weekly podcast going week by week, episode by episode, through David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week we are discussing season four, episode 11, entitled Blowing Smoke. It is Out of Practice podcast episode number 72. How's it going, Mike? Keith, it's going well. We are now officially live on the YouTube. We figured it out. We promised things would improve, and and here we are. We have slightly better visuals because I said, go nuts with the Photoshops, Keith, and you <laughs> did not disappoint. Oh, my goodness. No, I the, the amount of time that I spent Photoshopping and you spent, like, building tech, you know, video troubleshooting this week is extraordinary but it's worth it our experiment last week turned out to be a blast and yeah, we had a uh, lot of fun so yeah so glad to have uh new people checking it out maybe discovering that we're doing this in the first place and uh we're working we're gonna make it better as we go uh we definitely look far more professional than we have any uh reason to do or any right to do based on the sound of our actual podcast. But if you're just listening to this, check us out. Find us on YouTube. Just search for Out of Practice Podcast or The Practice Podcast. We're going to come right up there for you. Yeah, uh, it's it's a neat experiment. So <clears throat> once again, I'll just say up front that we're calling these uh, on Instagram Live and on YouTube uh, Out of Practice Podcast Briefs. 
because we are leaving out this segment in the middle. Trust me when I say we did due diligence on how it might be legally possible to, or semi-legally possible, to (laughs) alter the audio so that we could just do it all here visually for you, and you could at least listen to the episode with us. It's just not a possibility. Trust me, we looked into it. So, because we've gotten multiple requests now from multiple people who are giving us multiple dollars who want to engage with us live. They want to go a step above. It wasn't enough just to see whatever you want to call this, <laughs> these phases. <laughs> yeah, what, what exactly would you call this? <laughs> I don't know, but I wish I had the Galazian blur that you have because it, oh. <laughs> it really hides some. <laughs> well, I mean, I, spoiler alert into filings and subpoenas, but, uh, yeah, I, I I took some shit from our good friend <laughs> from our good friend Phoenix uh, about the quality of my video. Um, so I have for you, Phoenix, uh, spiced it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the wall, so we have spiced it up. But yes, I definitely spent uh, an absurd amount of money buying the tech to eventually have better video available for yeah when we're both trying to do this through my company's laptop so god forbid i never lose that job uh we'll get you know a solid 27 frames per second so we're we're not we're not streaming Fortnite anytime soon that's the truth (laughs) but i will say to to finish my previous thought we are we are looking into some fun live things we can do with you keith is very not a big fan of live i think i hate live yeah but we're gonna we're thinking about it we've got some some satellite podcast shows that live in the universe of this that we'll be doing through some sort of Patreon experience or not, or we'll just let everybody see it. Who knows? Uh, and I think the Oopsie Spectacular and maybe some choice episodes here and there we'll do we'll do live. Uh, we'll let people who, who subscribe financially uh, into the live chat with us so you can watch the episode along with us. We can do that, I've found. Um, so we're working on it, is what I was, and I sincerely mean it. We are working on it. We we really didn't want to do any work. Was the whole point of this podcast, and then and then people listened to it. So we're working on. Go it. back and listen to the pilot. We talked for like twenty minutes about how this is going to be no work. We're going to do nothing. It's just going to be super simple. No edits. No nothing. And look 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 at this. I don't know what we're doing, uh, but we're yeah. having fun. I'll say that we're having fun, Keith. For days, I've been excited about recording today. So and that hasn't <laughs> happened maybe ever. So <laughs> no, well, I, we have an action-packed episode today. We have we do a, it. We and, have and a, be, before a, both of our computers melt. We should. We got to do what we got to do. We got to do what we got to do. Uh, which I don't know what you're setting up there, but I'm going to pretend that you were queuing up us finally talking about. All right. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not what you were setting up, but uh, we're going to get into filings and subpoenas after we do this, because uh, we have been planning to talk about Hollywood, which, of course, uh, was the Netflix series that I think it's been out long enough now that it's not super spoilery to talk about, uh, but starring our dear friend Dylan McDermott and Holland Taylor, both on the show. And uh, I I don't want to get too far into it because we don't have a lot of time. But I I will say, I turned to Jillian as we were watching it sort of near the end of the series and watching Dylan's performance in this. And I was like, you know what? He's so 
he's so great on the show. And I'm this is such a weird thing for me to be feeling right now, but I feel genuinely proud of Dylan. Yeah. I was like, Dylan, you're crushing it. I'm so proud of you for doing such extraordinary work in Hollywood. It was like watching your first cousin. You go to see them. They're making their like Broadway debut and you go and watch them and you feel that you like you're a participant in some sort of way. We have no affiliation. We are with Dylan no, McDermott. in no way a participant in this, but it, feels <laughs> it sure way. felt like it. And we kept, and you know, what's funny is even my wife, she's watching, I think I mentioned this last week, she's watching Friday Night Lights right now, or just finished, and Steve Harris is in that, right. and she keeps taking her headphones off and looking at me and going, God, I just love Eugene, and I'm like, it's so weird that the universe is cross, <laughs> but- No, yeah. Uh, I guess, uh, and and they are both so good in this. They're, uh, yeah, and Holland Taylor, they are so good. I get, we could get lost in the weeds about talking about our feelings about the show. It, what it really is, it's a, a retelling of the glamour Hollywood era with a fable twist. It, it kind of alters history in a very... Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like a fantasy. It's like a... a Tarantino-ish, how it could have gone retelling. Yeah, perhaps how it, how it should have gone. Right. But it, it is interesting because it starts in the real world. And so it's like how it should have gone starting the beginning of the series, as if everything that led up to it was exactly our world. There have been critical analyses that say that it it's, would have been more powerful had it just showed exactly how things went. But the whole analogy that they're building between the, the fictional movie that's being produced and the meta show itself, the analogy is that we're we're showing how it could have been so that future generations can be inspired. Yeah, yeah. So I, thought, I, I, I I liked it because the the there's so much of, we have so many books and films and TV shows just describing accurately and importantly how shitty it was. Mm-hmm. This is sort of a new genre that I actually enjoyed. It felt felt fresh and different to have, and I was still moved by it. Even though mm-hmm. I like I, it was totally fake and not true, by the time we get into the whole fantasy spin, but I was totally moved by it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I find that Ryan Murphy, he's an acquired taste for many, but I find that he he does better, or at least I respond better to his work when he's given a shorter leash. Some of those Mm. longer seasons of American American Horror Story lose the thread. They jump so much, they change plots, it gets nutty. But here, you know, and he's got a very limited, I think there's eight episodes, eight or ten episodes. So he's got a limited time frame to work with, and I think it's really powerful. Whatever you feel about Ryan Murphy's work, I'll say that this is one of his most beautifully shot pieces. And if you have... terrific, yeah. If you have HDR and or 4K available to you, it's absolutely worth watching just for the visual fidelity and just the beautiful cinematography of this. Yeah, well, look... You get more uh, lines of re- resolution of Bobby. And Bobby, not only that, he, our bumper, I Got a Very Big Dick, comes from Hollywood. It does. It co- Here it is. Get ready. I got a very big dick. Well, at least that line does. The awesome hip hop is all me. Um, last things last. <laughs> Which I'm coining. <laughs> How's this going? <laughs> Skip ahead 20 seconds if you want to be spoiler-free for Hollywood. Skip ahead right now. Right, right. Spoiler alert. So whoever's still here, 
the craziest thing for for practice fans, the practice fans, is that not only are Holland Taylor and and Dylan McDermott in the show, but they actually end up together. Yeah, as a couple. And in a it's beautiful love story. Beautiful. It could have been played. In fact, you think the whole time it's going to be played for a sex joke. Couldn't right. be furthest from the truth. It's beautiful. And Bobby's Bobby. <laughs> Dylan, Dylan's yeah. Dylan's arc on the show is absolutely spectacular. Yeah. And I I found their relationship one of the most moving parts of the whole series. Yeah, and this is this still is from the season finale, and it, it really is a Hollywood ending. Yeah. There Which, it is. So uh okay, you can come back. We're done talking spoilers. Uh but yeah, seriously, check out Hollywood. There are tons of uh practice crossover but also it's just a really good series and qu quickly while we're in this uh bumper or what do we call it segment i guess segment. i in also want to say that i watched i've actually not been watching a lot of tv i've taken a time out i watched just the news and jeopardy because jeopardy had been releasing new episodes but they have ended and so i was going to skip this one but on the recommendation of my brother-in-law oh. i checked out jeffrey epstein filthy rich I thought it was going to be too salacious and just like I was gross. wrong. I was wrong. It, it's it's compelling and it's short. It's four episodes, and there's a lot of information I didn't know, and the stuff I did know that I thought was steeped in a lot of conspiracy theory and this and that is actually really true and really prescient for right now. Just interesting. Remembering that. <laughs> as depressing as it is, there aren't a lot of good guys. There aren't a lot of good guys. <sighs> no, no, there aren't. So anyway, that anyway. is what we've been <laughs> watching, and uh, maybe we should jump to something else, Keith. Perhaps. Filings and subpoenas. Filings oh. and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Oh, God. Golly, do we have a lot of filing, filings and subpoenas. Uh, and we're going to start with a, a delicious and wonderful surprise we got this morning. We have a new founding sponsor, the very uh, incredibly generous, humblingly generous Jennifer Masanova, who uh, left us a donation and also uh, wrote this beautiful letter, which I'm going to read part of. And it says, uh, Dear Keith and Mike, I am making a contribution to the podcast to catch up as I recently found you guys. I don't know, maybe buy Jen and Jillian lunch for their forced silence during the recordings. Y yes, yeah, we owe <laughs> Jen and Jillian more than lunch <laughs> for putting up with 72 episodes of this nonsense in their home. <laughs> and it's going, you gotta anyway. be quiet. You gotta be quiet. I'm recording. Uh, I uh, and like with all of our technical difficulties, so it's not just like you know we average what two hours per episode, but there's also like 15, 20 minutes of bullshit on either end of it. It's well, it's, it's not, not just be quiet too. It's you can't use the internet. Oh right. I need all the <laughs> bandwidth. <laughs> that is yeah sad. So anyway, you're absolutely right. We will take Jen and Jillian to lunch. Uh, she continues, I thoroughly enjoy listening while I work out or drive. My favorite parts, easily, are when Mike stops the show and asks Keith uh, what appear to be ad hoc questions. 
It's usually a nice little mixture of awkwardness, improvisation, reluctant truth-telling, and self-deprecation. I love the bumpers too, of course. Yeah, I Mike throwing me a curveball out of nowhere is always uh, entertaining for everyone but me. Uh, she says, maybe on Zoom, broadcasting simultaneously and others would come. She, she's asking what you mentioned before, um, if we could do a live episode where people could comment uh, as it's happening. It may be fun for an episode or, I don't know, a Tales from the Basement special. That would be fun. Yeah, there's uh, an idea. I think we would enjoy some visuals to go along with your stories. Well, visuals. Here we are. We are absolutely, um, now that we're doing a visual component of the show, especially for the This Day in the Basement. <laughs> the onus is on us to come up with something to look at as well as here. So that is going to be difficult because the archives, digital archives from 1999 are not what they are today, but it's going to get easier as we go along. Uh, she also says, I identify a lot with you both personally. I was raised in the Philadelphia area. On the arts front, my former company in D.C. is a perennial sponsor of the Washington National Opera, and I have attended probably more of my sh more than my share of performances, and my good friend has been a member of the National Council on the Arts since Obama was in office. So I have a lot of exposure to that world through her. Also, cats, uh, <laughs> which uh, we are... All, I think all of us here are cat people. I mean, I like dogs too, but I'm definitely a big old cat nerd and you have cats and I'm sad that I don't. She finishes, you both are so creative and really talented. I'm sure it takes a lot of work to produce what sounds like a casual conversation. Thank you for your work and I look forward to hearing more. And then Boston Legal. I'll also write a review on Apple. Take care, Jennifer. I can't wait so we can play the welcome to the jury bumper officially to officially welcome you to the jury. But you are officially a founding sponsor of the Out of Practice podcast. And we like truly and honestly are incredibly um, humbled and, and grateful. We just thought nobody was going to listen. I specifically was said this is way too niche, but I guess that's where you find crazy people like you. I, it's great. Well, we found kin we find kindred spirits out here, and that's sort of the fun and part of. We should say this world. Jennifer mentioned. I don't know if you read it. I was busy trying to figure some shit out. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She's has worked and knows people in the Philly area and Cape May, and it's like yeah, it's Center City and King of Prussia, all of it. Yeah, it's and cool. It, as I I emailed her back and I was like, look, as a Philadelphia in law now. I'm learning. I've actually learned all of those locations. I would would have no would not have known what any of those things were, but now being a Philadelphia in law. I don't want to jump into sports ball, but I'm wearing my Phillies cap since it seems like we're gonna at best get 60 games of baseball this season. If that, I'm skeptical. That's even true. Yeah. Right. Well, I uh, I I'm not a baseball fan, so I don't really have an allegiance. But I definitely have a Phillies fat Phillies fat Phillies hat. What'd you call uh, your wife from Philly? What? Wow, Jill. <laughs> my my, my father-in-law got us all Phillies hats, but I can't wear it anymore because it's a bright red hat, and I don't want like to freak people. That's a little darker. That's better. But the one that I have is like that red, and I I don't want to like walk around the street and freak people out so they can see what the logo is. So, I've so had many to more retire. filings and subpoenas. So many more. So many more. Sorry, sorry. Uh, we have also heard from our good friend Phoenix Cage, 
who sent us uh, some really cool pictures because he discovered Paul Dooley, i.e. Judge Swackheim, is not only still alive, but still working. So he is was just on the final season of Modern Family, you can see here if you're on the YouTube, at 92, is still performing. He's such a terrific actor. I'm so glad that he's become a big part of the show. Uh, and of course, for you Star Trek folks, he's Inabrin Tane on Deep Space Nine. And uh, that's so great. Do you watch uh, Modern Family? Modern Family, yeah. Do, do, do you, you watch it? I watched the first season and a half, and I, I enjoyed it, but I just it just fell off the uh, the plate. Yeah, I actually loved it. And then I'm probably four seasons back. So at some point, maybe now feels like a good time. I love a series finale. Oh, I love a series finale. So I want to catch up. Oh, yeah. Well, we are going to have one in six years. And we're going to have to write one, too. So that's going to be that's fun. exciting. We actually have been pitching some ideas about how we can... Well, I don't want to spoil anything yet, but I, I have some ideas. You have a lot of ideas that you announce on the show that you haven't talked about with me. I'd just like to point that out. Well, you know, it's it's funny. I'm an ideas guy, but I don't I'm not very as Keith will attest to, I'm not very good at like getting the ball rolling. Uh but that's Keith's wheelhouse. So So you just keep announcing things until I do them. Well, if I can excite Keith, uh, that's the thing about Keith. If you can light a fire under his ass, shit gets done. Like if he's I, it, even remotely excited about something, he goes we said this earlier. Anything that's worth doing is worth overdoing. Yes. Hence, a, a full broadcast production that took place in seven <laughs> days uh, that I'm doing live so that I don't... It's This is weird. I could just do this all in post, but I figure I'll that's do right. it live so that I don't have to record it later. That's right. So if you're, if you're watching this, Mike is actually live uh, directing the production as we're doing it. So... I'm trying to set, I'm trying to like hint to him what we're going to get to next so he can pull up the right uh, graphics. So, uh, boy, live. Well, it's not sort of live-ish. Well, whatever. We'll do it live. Do it live. All right. So, uh, also, Phoenix had a leftover comment from last episode about the, uh, the jail scene, the final one with Helen, Bobby, and Swackheim. And he says, I really like that Helen, Bobby, and Swackheim ended up commiserating the obvious miscarriage of justice together, even though they were all so contentious during the trial. I really would have loved to have seen the three of them go out for a drink and continue the post-mortem of the case. For one, it would help them unburden the guilt they feel over each playing some part in the verdict going the way it did, but it could also lead to some really interesting points on the issues in the criminal justice system. I mean, how often do the disparate perspectives of a judge, a DA, and a defense attorney get layered together to provide the full picture of the law? I'd love that. I I, I, I liked that scene. I would love to see that extended further. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, on Instagram, Jadian's Dream also... Uh, talked, waited on this, saying, I fully support Swackheim's decision to hold them both in contempt of court. But to bring a bag of fries without ketchup is just a dick move. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Especially since there's no water fountain in there. They're, right? They could very well be thirsty. Those are probably soggy fries. His fingers have been all over. So it is right. a dick move. We concur 100%. Yeah, I mean, I like the fries idea, but I don't want, yeah. Especially in these days. We're not handing each other bags of anything. Come on now. 
Let's actually oh. quickly. Oh, okay. Interest of interest to no one. We. <laughs> that could be the the uh, the title of our podcast. We randomly, not so randomly, but we are probably going to head up to Cape May, New Jersey, for a little vacay just for a night next week. What's the outdoor seating situation there? Would you guys be comfortable in some sort of socially distanced fries or maybe sitting on the front lawn? What do you think? Where are you oh, guys at? I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think we, and we have a little back deck here. Oh, great. So, okay. So you, you could come here. We'll talk offline. But I was like, wait, where are you guys going? Like, what's going on? Let's talk about, no. Well, we'll we're going to talk offline and spare the... Spare the our tens of listeners all of the. Uh, all right, filing subpoenas. We got. Are we done or where we got? No, no. Of course we 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 have so many today. Uh, also, <laughs> Leanne writes enjoyed the like and subscribe Tom Brady. Or oh, maybe she didn't. She said, "Oh my gosh, no!" It was cute. Which is, <laughs> which is fair. Uh, also, we got a lot of comments. So. One of the cool things about the YouTube here, if you <laughs> go down the, the YouTube, I'm, the YouTube <laughs> sound no, like I'm, my I'm mom. Old. I'm old. I go on the YouTube. You can <laughs> click the. You can get a transcription of what we're talking. I wonder how it's going with this voice. Uh, they do live transcriptions of what we're doing, which is amazing, and they're amazingly accurate. Until I checked the transcript of our theme song. Which I will do a poetic reading for oh, you here if you do. didn't Hold see on. Let it me get, on Instagram. Let me get your one shot. Yeah, here we go. <clears throat> Back in high school, each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I turned the dial to ABC to see the creep <laughs> of the week, where homeless keep burning. <laughs> and inviting Deck Liam a three-ply way. Back in high school, most every night, my mother watched QVC. I'm Tina. What could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat. So, it's oh my pretty God. awesome. I actually, oh. I love bad transcriptions. I, oh. uh, we, ah, uh, fuck it. We have, we have unlimited time. So when uh, I took my show, I got fired to uh, South Korea to perform it there. We had to, they had people actually translate the entire thing and do super titles in Korean. That's cool. Super cool. Uh, but before we left, actually, you know what? This is the funnier story. So one night. Audible. Uh, Audible. I Oh, I called the sports ball. <laughs> Blue so, 54. There was this one scene that ends with uh, like a comedic, ah, fuck me, that sort of a deal. And it was a Anytime a, a Keith scene, says, ah, fuck me, it's comedic, trust me. It, oh, profoundly. But it was a scene in which uh, my character and his best friend had been mistaken for a couple, which they couldn't have cared less about, but they would just had to sort of describe that they weren't. Anyway, so every night that got a giant reaction from the crowd. And I'm like, it's, it's really not that funny. It's just sort of like, you know, just the, you know, blow out for the rest of the, uh, for the scene. Until I talked to the translator and there was no, there's no translation for fuck me. So <laughs> what the title said was rape me. That is how they finished the scene every night. And I, <laughs> and I had no idea that that was 
what was happening. So I can only imagine what their experience of that show was. I don't know what to say, buddy. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it was uh it was it was a little <laughs> it was a little awkward. Explicit, when I, but when I thought back about all of that, I was like, oh ugh. quickly oh, I'll just interject when you know my wife was doing Fiddler, they obviously the whole production was in Yiddish, performed right. in Yiddish, and then uh super titled for the audience in English and Russian. I believe it was Russian. And initially uh, you know, the opening song is very famous in Fiddler on the Roof. It's tradition, tradition. And initially, they I, I don't know, the initial translation for that was they, the toilet, the toilet, whatever. It sounded like the toilet. They kept saying, the <laughs> toilet, the toilet, something like that. I, I'm not trying to be offensive. I just don't. I just don't speak Yiddish. And so Jen, you know, she was rehearsing it. She was, and I, I, she was practicing that song, and I just kept going around the house. The toilet, the toilet. And I was like, <laughs> I can't believe it. That sounds so much like the toilet. They, mm. they can't possibly stick with that. And turns out, they ended up changing it to tradizie because it sounded a little bit more. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. That that makes sense. No, and it's it's fascinating this kind of stuff. And and to to be a thousand percent clear uh the joke is on us for not understanding the other languages not on them right. for not understanding us but it brings uh, up to, to circle it back yeah. to anything people might care about right fair what we found out is that one of our listeners who wrote in jennifer actually founding founding sponsor jennifer says she watches everything on youtube and tv with subtitles i am the opposite i mm. hate subtitles on anything I mean, unless it's in a different language, obviously, then it's pertinent. But I, if I can't hear the TV, I'm not watching TV. Oh, interesting. I'm not a subtitle guy, and especially on YouTube, no thanks. I will frequently split the difference. I, I will listen with the sound and subtitles if, um, I don't know, why do I do that? Especially if, if I have to turn it down a little bit, if I can't quite hear it, having the subtitles is really helpful. All right. My All right. goodness. We have we are almost 30 minutes into this. Keith, we are YouTube stars now. This is the <laughs> price to, this is the price we pay. <laughs> oh my god. All right. So the the last last thing is uh I think uh, Leanne got us good with pointing out that um when we put up those the bad translation, she said, "This is just a clever leak of the original draft. Don't get defensive." guys which i thought was super funny also i thought i was done we're not done there's more so on our youtube video leanne wright said just when i thought this podcast couldn't get any better slow clap thank you leanne jorge novoa said i just finished the episode and i'm so happy you guys did this i definitely vote for this as a regular thing well here it is you're getting it out of curiosity how do people post game of throne reaction videos and get away with it and I think what it is, is if you're not doing the whole episode, you, there's a certain amount that you can use via fair use. Um, I, I've also found a lot of people, fair use is the best way to go about it, especially for those reaction videos. And I think uh, there are a variety of different claims on YouTube. You can, as a content creator, you can post against other videos. And what you can do, like what HBO and the producers of Game of Thrones would do there, is they place a claim on that video and so that any monetization that that video has, they take a percentage of it. Ah. Uh, 
or like Fox does. Well, because Keith and I don't have a lot of subscribers on our YouTube channel, so <laughs> we're not worth it to them. So they just say no. They so if you guys want to get us thousands of subscribers, I don't know why I put that on you, listeners. Sorry. <laughs> if we were to achieve on our own Please thousands make of subscribers, us successful. they probably wouldn't strike us. But that's not. That's just not where we're that's at. The other thing really I've noticed. Funny. A lot of people who want to like so Jeopardy. There are channels that just show the Jeopardy episode right after it aired. Basically, they YouTube sh or they DVR shows and then put them on the internet right. for people who don't have TV or whatever. And the way they a lot of them get around it on the back end is they speed up the episode fast enough that so the bots can't recognize it. Right. But in order to do that, as I've because Keith, would it surprise you to know I've looked into it? <laughs> Not in the slightest. You have to speed it up so fast that it becomes like chipmunks or slow it down so much that it's just, at that point, it's not enjoyable. It's already, I can't believe people listen to us listen to an episode of television. To do that at like six times the speed sounds absolutely <laughs> insane, so. Well, that would be better than us doing it like <laughs> this. I really think Bobby that two -hour episode is, is six really hours. hot. I yeah. got a very big dick. Okay, we've destroyed this joke. Moving forward. Okay, last thing, and I mean it this time, is uh, Phoenix says, Hey, Mike, really hey. enjoying the visual component of the show. I love the soft light on you and the dark green glowy background, plus a shallow depth of field for even more separation. Keith, nice. Uh, wall. It's really holding up the ceiling. So <laughs> he made me pee myself. That was funny. Oh man, we got nailed. Okay, it is finally, finally time to jump into the past as the past was transitioning into the future because we hit. The year 2000. In this year episode was aired on January 9th, 2000. Which makes us all ask the eternal question, what were you doing? This day in the basement. I guess I'll start, Keith. I think you should. Well, a few things. Uh, first thing I'll bring up is that... Oh, wow. Hold on. Sorry. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, we're live, no, no, no. we're live. No, we're live. Uh, I knew I was going to say this, and then it still caught me. I didn't think it was going to. So this is the penultimate. So we jumped. So we were in mid-December, the 20th last week, and now we're in mid-January, so we missed the Christmas holiday. And so I was thinking what I was doing back. This was Christmas 1999, and it'll be the penultimate Christmas with my dad. The final Christmas will be the year 2000, but by that point, he was uh, not really, it was bad. Things were mm. getting pretty bad at that point. So this was the last like normal. Full, full Christmas I had with my whole family was there, and my dad was in a good place, and my brother and sister were home from their variety of, my sister was still in high school, my brother was out a working man, and I had just <laughs> failed out of college officially. But- I've been talking with my wife and what's really kind of 
sorry, I'm bringing the episode way down here, but no, what's scary is that I really tried to remember that Christmas and remember some things happening in my life then. And what's really nutty is that I, I can't. And mm. I, my repression and a lot of the, uh, like, I, I don't, repression slash just being hurt or whatever is going on in the brain. That's from my therapist. It starts around now. And so this day in the basement is going to get kind of wacky for me for the next bit of time. But this was the last Christmas we had with my dad firing on all cylinders. And this isn't a picture from that Christmas, but I wanted to bring it in. Oh, that's me graduating high school, actually. Oh, not cute. Wrong picture. This is it. So you'll see the man front and center there is my dad. And this is the previous summer I was doing a cabaret uh, for a local theater company at home. And my dad like just sat in the front row every night that we did that cabaret. And so that's him watching me perform around this, around, the, it was 99. So this is my dad from that period of time. So, okay, so that was that. But now let's jump. Uh, I wanted to play this for you since we talked about the year 2000. For those of you who relived it, or who lived through it, or those of you who maybe it's you were young, so you don't quite remember, I, I pieced together a quick reminder of the absolute insanity that was, I should say for myself, I have always been fascinated with current news. So if something is in the news or in the zeitgeist, I, I want to fill myself with as much as I can. I just consume, 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 consume. And so it was fun to go back blast from the past for Y2K because... That's all people were talking about. As we were rolling up to the new year, people were freaking the fuck out about Y2K. So yeah. I put this together for us. Sure were. December 31st, 1999. You made this. Y2K. Just how bad will it get? Everything that could go wrong did. The systems will fail. There still exists a general state of either denial, complacency, or even apathy about both the reality and the potential effects of Y2K. It is a particularly large global disaster in the making. What date is a commuter going to think it is when we get to 2000? They're preparing for martial law. I've got a, a revolver right now, but I wanted something, something more. Could abolish all paper currency and coins throughout the world? Eight to 10% of the population were fairly confident that this was going to be uh, an apocalypse. Call now and get the ultimate Y2K survival kit, the premier wind-up and solar-powered flashlight and radio, a diagnostic computer program to test your PC, three soup samples from Hourglass Foods. Soup samples. Three. Two, one, happy 2000! The world didn't end, but some of the vending machines stopped working. The international weather website displayed the wrong year. That must have been annoying to fix. Happy New Year! $500 billion well spent. <laughs> so that was Y2K. It was basically a computer glitch that didn't really glitch, and nothing happened. Yeah, I mean, I definitely remember everyone talking about it and thinking about it and like, oh, do we need to patch the computer? Do we need to do whatever? If Now, if you are one of our younger listeners, what would, uh, why, what was that? What was everybody afraid of? So basically what the pr premise was, was that all of the computer systems built from the very beginning of computering <clears throat> were only really based with enough digits to go up to 1999 and so they hadn't put the two in where the one is 
And so they were afraid that, oh, if the computer can't update the date, mass systems will fail. Nuclear right, weapons that, will fail. Everybody's computer will stop working. This, that, and the other thing. Banking right. systems will all be screwed. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was quite the thing. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, then I will I will very quickly do my this day in the basement, and I have a photo here from my Christmas '99, which you'll note that I have <laughs> blurred the rest of the, my family's faces for their <laughs> their own protection and. Their, <laughs> but this was a uh, one of my family traditions that although we are lined up in age, we usually line up in height. And this is Christmas Eve. We all hang our stockings over the fireplace and then we take a picture of all of us. So we have, you know, from the time we were two years old all the way up to this year, uh, we're all we're all lined up there taking pictures. And so what you also see on my face there is my first attempt at facial hair. Ooh, I girl. grew the 90s college goatee, which stayed with me for most of uh, college. And now I've just gone full beard. And I it, I wore them both for the same reason, to hide this part. Oh, so, interesting. So there it is. That's what... Oh, yeah. No, if I were thin, I would, I would definitely not have a beard. It's so, crazy because I used to do the same type of shit or I'd you know go in the pool and wear a t-shirt. It, it's funny the lengths the chubby will go to 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 try to think they're masking the chubby when in reality, although Keith, right there, you like, are not you in any way, any way, shape or form overweight there. Oh, oh, in yeah, in the picture? Yeah, no, I, I, I wasn't yet. I was working my way up to it. I was, I was uh, really, by the time I finished college, I, you know, I got up to, I, I was, uh, I, I weighed more than my favorite football player, which is never a good sign. You know, I'll say this, it doesn't need saying, but we both understand body dysmorphia and the shame of being, but, but at the same time, we do not project that in any way. Like I've lived oh long enough God, to know no. that like you do you, everybody is beautiful and just be yeah, healthy. No, 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 for sure. And uh, yeah, please do not ever consider my own, uh, self-loathing and shame to be transferred to anyone any, anywhere other than myself. Yeah, we're <laughs> consumed enough with our own shame that we can't really put it out towards anyone else. So We do a podcast every week where we spend most of it talking about ourselves and not the subject of the podcast. We are definitely consumed with ourselves that is <laughs> more true. than we are anything else. All right, well, great. That's This Day in the Basement. What else do we do on this podcast? Keith? All right, this day in the bay. That's the wrong cue. What God we do on this podcast is we hit the wrong cues as much as humanly possible. That's when true. we really are trying to do. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Like I said, we are talking about January 9th, 2000. We have finally broken the streak, and we have a new number one song. And this, of course, is What a Girl Wants by Christina Aguilera. The number one movie was Stuart Little. Really? I think in its sec yeah, Stuart Little. I think it was his second or third week at number one, taking in $11 million. The cover of the Burlington Free Press, this one I enjoyed, had a huge headline. 
very frightened. Homicides reach a seven-year high in Vermont there in 1999. Now, I would like to put Does that you mean there was the five? Yeah, how many would you think uh, would be would be worth uh, freaking out about that much in the state of Vermont? Statewide for Statewide the year? Statewide homicides in 1999. Seven-year high. 150. There were 17 total murders in the state of Vermont. <laughs> and we were freaking out. Wow, that's it was, insane. It was lawless chaos. It was Mad Max through Burlington. Because 17, that's statewide. Statewide for the entire year. Uh, as a point of reference, I did look it up. In the state of New York, our neighboring state, there were 903 that year. Uh but we found a way to stay safe. We found a way to survive the carnage that was. Which brings us now to everyone's favorite segment. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. Sports, sports, sports. It was wild card weekend in the NFL. The New York football giants and the Philadelphia football eagles were well rested that week. Elsewhere, it was the day of the Music City Miracle, when the Titans beat the Bills on a last-second lateral kickoff for a touchdown. Jeff George and the Vikings beat the Cowboys, Gus Brown the racist names beat the Lions, and Dan Marino took down the Seahawks. Yes! You bitch. That's for you and for our good friend Cloud Lover 69 <laughs> Wow. That's funny. All right. It's finally to move on to important things, and oh no. Weather. Oh, you're right, buddy. We're There's still more. doing this. Can you tell me the weather? Oh no, you made your own graphic. I wasn't going to build you one, but you built your own. <laughs> From 21 of course you did. Of course you did. And this one's just to show me before we even talk about it. I just want that. <laughs> wow, nicely done. Well, Keith, I've summed it up here. It was oh January God, 9th, 1999 in Rochester, where you were uh, freezing your little patookas off. 23 degrees going all the way down to negative nine. Felt like 13 degrees Fahrenheit at its mm -hmm. hottest. And I'm sure it was snowing and I'm sure it was absolutely miserable. Yes. I was back in King of Prussia where it was rainy. Got up to 40 degrees. It did get down to 34 degrees Fahrenheit overnight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then in Boston, where our stars live in their metaverse, it was 56 <laughs> degrees and rainy, so balmy. Uh, but they at least weren't suffering as bad as you were, Keith. And I have to say, that is your time, machine weather. Wow. Wow. All right, so... A, those graphics are amazing. But here's my question. Uh, are you planning to update those graphics every single week? And can, will you commit? Will you commit here on the air, <laughs> live on the YouTubes and on the Apple Podcasts, in your ears, in front of all of our fan, to update those graphics every single week? You're goddamn right I am. Yeah! <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> this is oh mess. Oh, if right, you're not watching right. on the YouTube, you should really check God it out. Damn it! My life has value, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. 
Finally, finally, we are talking about The Practice, Season 4, Episode 11, entitled Blowing Smoke. It was written by David E. Kelly and Samantha Corbin Miller, who last wrote on Victimless Crimes, and directed by Jeannot who last directed Marooned. Which leaves us with only one last thing to do before we have to click over to our iPhones, or however else we're listening to the audio version of this. But first... What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? We're a couple of overly short Is this what happens people. to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would've drank the curdled milk? Then what would've happened? You know, the it continues once again, no previously on, and so I'm left. I'm left wondering, I'm left dreaming, pirates. I'm left hoping for pirates. Blowing smoke. Well, here's my bold prediction. Probably okay. not so bold. In the first season, Lindsay took on Big Tobacco. Then yes. later on, they try to sue Big Tobacco again. And then there's another case... Uh, well, that's the cancer cluster cell, but that's not big tobacco. We Right, right. And we forgot about the asbestos thing entirely. My feeling is that we haven't got a lot of Lindsay lately. And so I don't know. Well, Egon, did Egon, God, he's still in jail, right? Uh, is he? <laughs> <laughs> it's like we don't do a podcast on this. They did <laughs> They only did like 14 episodes on it, and we do a podcast. Like, is he in jail? Is he not in jail? I don't remember. Regardless, that <laughs> I think the I think the big tobacco case must rear its head back. I think that's the the smoke. They think they're so clever with the naming. Let's remember Bay of Pigs. <laughs> yes, yes. So my guess is big tobacco's back. I I think it's probably the same case. Maybe a. Because I can't imagine they would like do a whole secondary case suing Big Tobacco for something else. Mm -hmm. So my guess is that it comes back. There's like an, an appeal. appeal or something, and we revisit Lindsay's crusade against Big Tobacco. Okay. All right. Well, folks, it is time to click over to yes. your iPod sessions. In right. the YouTube description, I put a direct link that not only will link you to the podcast but it will link you to the exact moment the episode starts and Keith and I start talking about it. Wow, wow. That is some professionalism we have not demonstrated in any other part of this. That's if you're listening on the internet. If you've got your podcast and you subscribe to it on your phone, in the show notes each week, I link to each segment, and so you can just click on the episode starts and listen to us talk, and then come on back and watch our faces move when we talk about the oopsies later. Wow. But until wow. then, Keith, I think it's time for you and I to pay the bill, and we will be back after the awesome segment that you should go subscribe and listen to. Like and subscribe, like and subscribe. Eep, eep. Do you know, did you catch that reference? Eep, Keith? I, I did not know. That's I'm what old. the Visco girls say. What is a Visco girl? Oh my God, get on the YouTube, Keith. Figure it out. <laughs> Google something. I'm uh, old. We'll be back after this ad that you don't have to listen to on YouTube. 
Season 4, Episode 11, Blowing Smoke. Ready? Almost. We should get going. Hey, take it easy. I am taking it easy. Okay, is this a coffee thing or is this an ex-boyfriend thing? Eleanor. Lindsay, More unnecessary conflict. Brainland Tobacco Company. Oh, yeah, uh, she's a friend of mine. I you actually her. took this case? It'll be a winner, Bobby. Maybe not a lot of money. A winner? But... You're suing a cigar manufacturer for breaking up a marriage? What? Emotional distress. Basically, alienation of affection. Lindsay. A couple depositions. I mean, if we don't How settle, then... How does a cigar then... come between a husband and a wife? That's a question of fact. Oh, I'll tell you how that happened. <laughs> it's two days of discovery, tops, and you're not a partner. Thanks for Except reminding my me. Wife I am. The one and who how came. does a cigar company? Aren't you late for trial? Well, actually, I have a few minutes. Yeah, me too. How much time do you plan to spend on this? Hey, it's for a friend. Okay, it's two depositions, maybe a summary judgment motion. Yeah, Bobby does shit for friends all the time and creepy cousins. Endlessly. There's, there's nobody has has. They've never done a case ever. That wasn't a friend or a relative. Let's also, be shouldn't they have like a meeting where they all get together and discuss this shit instead of ha him coming out and shaming her in front of the whole office as they're all trying to go places? Uh, yeah, that's what you have a partnership meeting, you know, and also no, it avoids the bizarre forced conflict between everybody. 20 hours minimum. I will get money out of it. I beat the tobacco company once. I will do it again. And you know, thank you all very much for your support. Maybe one day yeah, you people Lindsay will does bring in, in millions of dollars. And when you do, I'll remember she this. Does. Definitely wedding stress. My first instinct was to say nothing. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Marla. Okay, you know, I as much as I hate all the like weird unnecessary conflict, I love me some Lindsay versus a tobacco company. Yeah, this is I like mean, her specific wheelhouse. So I guess I'm not right. It's it's a new case, but something about husband and, a husband and wife getting divorced over uh, a cigar. Yeah, well, okay. It depends on where the cigar came from and where the cigar went. Mm. Don't worry about it. That's <laughs> a disgusting part of our our country's history. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but it filled the time over. It the sure did. Well done. <laughs> we got some Boston B-roll. Is, uh, is everything okay? Bobby's suit oh. is very well it's fitted. Just, I mean, you guys just started to gang up. That's all. Your reaction was a little heightened. Well, you came out of Sorry. In public. I'll try to settle this as fast as I can. Okay. Okay. Lindsay. I, um... I've been seeing Judge Kittleson on another show. Is that okay? <laughs> Talk to me. You'll just laugh. I won't laugh. Tell me. I might laugh. Probably okay. gonna laugh. I need more sex. Wow! <laughs> oh, great. Oh, wait, you need to back need up more. for Marla yes. Sokolov's take here. It. So, as sex. she says that, <laughs> Lucy comes in and disappears oh, right. in an instant in a you perfect comedic yes. run. I don't think you're attracted to me anymore. Are you crazy? Uh, it's just, we, we don't, not nearly like... It tapers off a little with all couples. We're not this even married This reeks yet. of David E. Kelly, women, gone up women. times a week. Uh-huh. Last year, it was 3.9. Wait, she has it averaged? She has a spreadsheet, apparently? You, you do the math. 
Hopefully that spreadsheet is spell-checked a little better than the uh, payroll spreadsheet. Yeah, right. Uh, it looked like our out-of-practice spreadsheet. Last year, it was 3.9. You, you do the math. Bobby, I have a deposition. That's we'll talk about this later, a. okay? <laughs> also, a comedic beat of Dylan frozen. <laughs> Eleanor's going to work. Helen Gamble doesn't want you in uniform. The judge agreed. I'm a cop. On leave, and if the department says you can't wear it, then... This is ridiculous. Well, they're giving you an hour to change. They did make an offer. What? This right, looks like the B case? Six months. I'd have to a, serve? Well, a black kid police doing officer? my job. Actually, you were off duty. Keith. Yeah. Is this going to be... It sure is. Okay. Yeah, fair warning to everybody. This episode is shockingly insanely upsettingly present oh so. okay all right look deep at breath, it, folks deep breath this is mike's co comedic spoiler warning yes this is mike make your comedic decisions carefully <laughs> but also of of course this is rebecca's ex-boyfriend who is this cop who is uh well, I, I won't say what he's done yet, but he is going into the legal system and being defended by Rebecca, and it is her ex, and... That cop, I guess, who killed somebody was also Rebecca's ex! Ex-boyfriend who Rebecca probably didn't keep a spreadsheet about their sex life! Yeah, does Rebecca use Excel? I don't know. Uh, this is Victor Williams... From The Affair, Sneaky Pete, Happy Together, and 195 episodes of King of Queens. Wow. Yeah, he's got some residuals. Reckless endangerment, six months. I'd have to serve? Well, a kid died. Doing my job. A kid died. Actually, you were off duty. Rebecca? I turned it down. Hey, hey, hold on. He thought the kid pulled a gun, Eleanor, and I understand like a our defense, Rebecca, but if we lose on murder two, we're looking yep, at it's life. Tell the DA case. no. I was doing my job. I'll go to the mat saying so. Okay, I'll tell her. Go change. Well, at least we've solved this problem systematically. Rebecca. Yeah, I know. Right it feels so out of date. Not his ex-girlfriend. Systemically, well, not systematically. Well, I guess either way. Reckless yeah. endangerment would be a good result. If he were guilty, yes, but he's innocent. He shot an unarmed kid. Who he thought was about to commit a crime, and the kid did have a gun on All him. All I'm saying is you used to love this guy, so maybe... Hey, you represented George Fogelman. I wasn't in love with him. But you were close friends. And my objectivity was compromised a, a bit, was it? The man cut off heads, stabbed co-workers, and I didn't have a clue. My objectivity on this. That's a good point. Fine. 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 I just think there's an office meeting that could take place about conflicts of interest. We should have just a conversation because everybody seems to be a little bit uh, flippant when it comes to how serious some of these conflicts of interest are. They wouldn't have an office without conflicts of interest. <laughs> That's all they do. That is like. You know, Donald Young, Frut, and whatever, and conflict of interest. That's the entire firm. I do like when they throw it in each, other, in each other's faces because it it points out how ridiculous it, it is. It's like, you represented George Vogelman, who cut off people's heads. But yet we've never heard somebody say, yeah, well, your cousin almost 
well, sexually assaulted our secretary. So, but they could all do it. Everybody's got somebody. It's crazy. Oh man, I need some Larroquette. Anyway, we'll get there. I'm sure. Co-workers and I didn't have a clue. My objectivity on this is fine. 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 I know it sounds crazy, but we got a sea story. Fighting over the smell of the cigars. Oh no. Yes. It would get into the fabric of the sofa, the drapes, the house would reek. Then there was the health. I'd start talking about how I was afraid that he was going to get mouth cancer and it would escalate into a bigger argument. Then, in order to get out of the house or away from me, he started going to these cigar clubs, mm. spending money we didn't have. He started spending more and more time there. Our relationship continued to deteriorate. Did you ever go for counseling? Yes. The therapist said his cigar smoking was an issue and that he should stop. But he couldn't. He was addicted. Okay, let's Are do you it. Serious. Lady whose husband likes cigars too much. I'm confused. Are they suing jointly or is she suing separately? No. So here's what's happening with this case. She and her husband got a divorce because of the cigars. She is suing the cigar company for fucking up her marriage. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's interesting. So this lady is played by Cynthia Edinger from Deadwood, Silence of the Lambs, Carnivale. And here's a, I, I got a little piece of trivia just for you, Mike. Oh, shit. Ready for this? Uh-huh. She played Martha Kent in the unaired pilot of Smallville. Oh, that's before great. She, before she was uh, recast by Annette O'Toole. Who is just fabulous. Your hair was winter fire, January embers. My heart burns there, too. She will always be Bev on the It miniseries to me. Uh, also, while we're doing this, while we're stopped. I know that lawyer from somewhere. The lawyer for the tobacco company is Jim Jansen from Gilmore Girls, The Office, X-Files, he does two characters on Deep Space Nine. He plays Lex Lee in Trials and Tribulations and Farron in Storyteller. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. But he, this is the first of three separate characters he's going to play on The Practice. And we don't know, other than their friends, the extent of her relationship with Lindsay, correct? Uh, Yeah, they're... They're, they're old friends. I think they're like college buddies. said his cigar smoking was an issue and that he should stop. But he couldn't. He was addicted. Are you serious? If I establish addiction. You won't. A trial will cost you a lot more than I just... I expected her to say something half credible. Once again, if we survive summary judgment, then my... There is no chance I'm going to recommend to my client that they pay anything on this. If you proceed, you can be sure I'll be bringing a motion against your client for costs, attorney's fees. You can't win that. And even if you could, she's judgment-proof. Just make an offer. Nothing? I still think I can get something. I'm deposing a senior management executive at Williams Brayland. If I can this shake him reach, up, I should Lindsay. be able to get nuisance. Cigarette companies don't pay That's nuisance. That's what she does. No way, uh, cigar companies. You don't know that. The precedent alone. Jimmy, this case is Better a reach you. than a reach right. around, Keith. Although Depose at this point, she's been asking for that, you too. You still get nowhere. Thank you. Actually, Boo. I would like a second chair, showing that the whole firm is behind the case. It'll help me settle it faster. I've got a status conference on Michael. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. You just said it didn't involve me. 
One Fair death point. Jimmy. You just have to sit there like a big lump. You think you can do that? She's Again, hostile. One deposition. Un unnecessary point. conflict. They're all nice people. They have no reason to be mean to each other throughout every episode all the he time. He came in the store. He was about 70. The victim. Yes. I had my back to him. When he got closer to the Looks counter, like I turned to Rebecca's him. going up against That's Helen Gamble. Go figure, he came Keith. In yelling, freeze. Oh, the defendant. Oh. Yes. What happened next? This witness well, is I James Brown. Something must be going down. I started reaching under the counter for my rifle because I thought I was about to be robbed. Then the officer just opened fire. Mr. Akufo, did you know Mr. Armstrong was a police officer when he came in the store? No, he was not uniformed. Did he ever identify himself as a police officer? No. Could you tell the court, did Will Bradley ever make a move toward you or the defendant before the defendant opened fire? No, he just came in, the officer yelled, freeze, shot the boy three times. Did you ever see a gun in Mr. Bradley's hands? No. Now, as Mr. Armstrong was shooting, could you wow, see that whether jury. or not Woo. Mr. Bradley was holding a gun? I could see that he wasn't. Thank you. That's pretty damning testimony. You Indeed. said you went looking for your rifle once Officer Armstrong came in. Was that your testimony? Yes. So your eyes, they weren't on Will Bradley at this moment. I was looking back and forth. Back and forth. So, for part of this time, your eyes were not on Will Bradley, right? Yes. So if he made a sudden movement in Mr. Armstrong's direction, it's possible you might not have seen that. True? I guess it's possible. And by the way, Will Bradley was carrying a gun on his person at the time of the shooting, right? I didn't see it. I was informed later he was carrying a gun. I don't know, Rebecca. Now, before we get too into the weeds about this, he was not in uniform? He was off-duty. So, my question to you, which you may not know off the top of your head, which is fine. I guarantee been hearing, you I won't. We've been hearing a lot in the news currently because of the situation. As a whole, a lot about qualified immunity. Now, does that only pertain to police officers who are on duty? I would imagine so. I I genuinely don't know, but I I've got to think you don't have qualified immunity just for your entire existence. Although I don't know, there's got to be some wiggle room there because like if you're off duty and like you come across this come across the scene of an accident and you go in and help somebody, you're kind of like putting yourself on duty in some ways. Right, like if are you acting as a law as enforcement an officer. officer, yeah, I'm sure there Versus are a lot of minutia, and I'm just curious because clearly we're going to gloss over that bit in this, right? Well, a better podcast would look that up, but we are not. Yeah, I'm interested that to see podcast. too. I'm interested to see too going forward in this case. Is this going to be about him being a police officer, or is this going to be about him being a black man? I imagine it's going to be a little bit of both. And I'm hating that Hulu now goes back 10 seconds every time you pause it. Oh, is that what's happening? Yes, it's possible. Yes. And by the way... Oh, that's a dick move. Hulu's made a lot of changes recently. It's almost as if they know. They're like, what? how can we get them to pause the episode less? <laughs> Stop interrupting the show, you idiots. He's a very tall man. He is. 
Well, in my professional opinion, we're dead. Why? Until now, we always thought the store owner reached for his gun because he thought the kid was going to rob him. Th that's what he said. No, he said he reached for his gun because you came in yelling freeze. Making him think the robbery was going down. Craig, try to get this. Look, don't talk He's to me six, like I'm some ghetto banger, Eleanor. I'm a police officer. We always thought the owner Keeps would corroborate the your suspicion that the crime was in play. But he only thought that based on your behavior, not that of the victims. So basically, we have nothing to validate your suspicion. I've got nine years on the force to validate my suspicion. I know that element. I saw it in the store, and if I hadn't shot him, he would have robbed the place. What mm. was he doing with a gun, Eleanor? The problem is, the gun was not in sight when you opened fire. The problem is, the gun was not in his hand. Who the hell are you, the DA? And at this point, I'm suspicious no, he planted I'm the lawyer gun. lawyer trying to make you understand the severity of these facts. And once again, I recommend that you consider taking... I am not pleading out. I'm not going to jail. All right, Craig. The kid was scum. The store owner might be dead if I hadn't got there. I'm not taking a deal that puts me in prison. Also, also, also worth noting that recently in this season, Rebecca has gone to the mat for people saying, you can't just write people off as scum, drug dealers. Like this man, like her ex-boyfriend is doing right now. Oh, Rebecca's for been, sure. So it's, it, that's an interesting conflict as well. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm in, Keith. Yeah. And of course the added complexity and layer that he's black. Mm-hmm. I I really like here. We're deposing an executive from Williams later today. After that we'll see where we are. I felt like the biggest fool. You're not a fool. I swear to you, Lindsay, I saw it. I watched how he got sucked in. The magazines, the clubs. He got sucked into that world. He became an addict. He, he spent money we didn't have and it cost us. I am not crazy. I watched it happen. Ostensibly, this is like Look, me suing a casino because we my wife was a gambling losses. addict and it cost us our marriage. Partners. You'd think I'd be able to sue yeah. him. Yeah, well, well if, if the casino... State, I watched it happen. Well... I am not crazy. If the, the casino knew that as used as directed, it would harm the person. And and I think that's sort of the distinction. Like, And the casino like saw that he was an addict and didn't stop him. Because I believe casinos have the, uh, the duty, if they see somebody with a clear addiction, to try to stop them from doing what they're doing. So, like, at, when used as as direct as directed, like a casino can be just you know a fun time or whatever. But when you're dealing with a tobacco, you seem to have different. the same temper I remember. I didn't shoot because I lost my temper, Beck. I'm talking about you and Eleanor. Yeah, well, it seems like she thinks I'm guilty. No, she thinks you have a tough case, which you do. If I hadn't shot that kid, he would have been killed by one of his homies a week later. Uh, quick. Ooh. Quick shout out to the Dixie cups that they're using. I always found, you know, the ones that are stuck next to most of those big water jug water coolers. Right. Always right. makes me laugh because it's like, how can we let this person drink the the least amount of water humanly possible? Like, well, how how do I make the waste ratio <laughs> as high as possible? You could literally get more water by cupping your hand underneath the spigot. 
right. and getting water. Yeah, it's a unbelievably it was wasteful thing. Juvie record as long as my arm. You know that neighborhood as well as I do. You take that attitude on the stand, you're going down. Craig, are you listening to me? I'm just frustrated. I understand. But you need to listen to us and do what we tell you to. Give me orders again. Just like old times. Hey, you came to me. Yes, I did, because... I hear you guys are good. If he's so not a police officer, this case is open shut, right? Okay. Can't just walk yeah. in and shoot somebody. It wasn't self-defense. He never there. claimed self-defense. Matter of fact, don't get defensive. People who know they're innocent don't get defensive. Now the DA, she's going to push. She's going to try to get you to reveal rage and a temper. You don't let that happen, Craig. Okay. Oh, Helen Gamble's coming hard. You know that. Oh, you, you know she will. this magazine. Yes, another cigar manufacturer. She's holding up a magazine called Le Cigar. This one. Le Cigar. I guess we should do this. Guy runs the cigar magazine. Le editor in chief. The magazine guy is Steve Tom from Single Parents, Major Crimes, Funny or Die, and Commander in Chief. Well, it's actually designed more for the cigar lover, men who already smoke. Is it your testimony that there is no intent to attract new customers? No, no, certainly we like to expand our customer base. The magazine promotes the smoking of cigars, can we say that? Yes, but we do not encourage men to leave their wives in order to do so. Thank you. But you probably would be aware that cigar smoking, the smell of a cigar, it is an issue with some husbands and wives. Not an issue to threaten a marriage. But an issue. Could be. These cigar clubs, primarily for men, would that be a fair statement? Yes, but women aren't excluded. What percentage of these clubs' members are men on average? I do not know. Would it surprise you to learn over 95%? Cigars are primarily smoked by men. We've established that. It's a total You're cigar aware cigars fest. may be addictive. There's no scientific evidence to conclude that they are. Is it your testimony cigars are not addictive? My testimony is that there is no scientific evidence to confirm it. You're aware cigar smokers have an increased risk of oral cancer. Yes. My dad You're aware had cigar mouth smokers cancer. have an increased risk of esophageal cancer. Objection. This is not a cancer. This is just a deposition. All objections are waived till trial they except removed the form of the question. 8% of his tongue. Esophageal really? cancer. Hmm. Cigars. Most smokers do not inhale, no. so Is it your testimony Marlboro. a smoker who doesn't inhale does not uh. have a higher risk of esophageal cancer than a non-smoker? That would not be my testimony. You're aware of an increased risk. I'm aware of the possibility. Yes. And are you aware, even for cigar smokers who do not inhale, their risk for larynx cancer is more than 10 times greater than it is for non-smokers? I'm aware of that medical claim. However, I have no basis on which to either agree or disagree with it. Okay. He seems great. Let's turn to heart disease. <laughs> that had nothing to do with any... Wait. Uh, she's suing... There's so, so much... I it is the the publisher of a cigar magazine, and I believe the implication is that the cigar companies also run the magazine. Thank you for that I clarification, know what I'm doing, Jimmy. All I'm saying could be wrong, but this it does clean it up. I have right. my reasons. The guy left his wife. She blames it on a cigar. We take the case. And she's now she's deposing the husband. Did you know that? This has turned into three depositions plus a motion for summary judgment. We've got two lawyers on it. What the hell is your problem? I'm just saying. You've said enough. 
Damn. And take and stay out. Something I'm not getting here. It's Lindsay who's not getting it. Hey! I got a very big dick. But I'm not using it, apparently. Apparently. Jeez. I have a plan, okay? It's not just about... These people don't want to go to trial. I have a plan. I was walking a few doors down from the store. It's on my way home. I saw the young man, Mr. Bradley, approaching the store. I saw that he had something metal the police in his hand that on was the reflecting stand, the sunlight. Being questioned by As he Rebecca. went into the store, I hustled up to get a better look. And did you get a better look? Yes. When I got to the door, I could see that the suspect was approaching the counter. He was then reaching into his coat. It looked to me like he was reaching for a weapon. What did you do then? I went into the store and ordered him to drop his weapon. He turned towards me. His arm was still inside his coat, and I saw what looked like a gun. I thought he was pulling it out on me, so I shot. How many times did you shoot? I later found out it was three times. What was the first thought that came to your mind when you saw this gun? That he was about to shoot me. I thought my life was in danger and I reacted. You were off duty and you had a gun? Yes. Why was that? I carried for personal protection. Oh. You said you were suspicious of Mr. Bradley before he came into the store. Why is that? Well, like I said, I saw something metal in his hand. But because of the angle of the sun, you weren't sure what it was. That's correct. What was it about this young man that made you immediately think that he had a gun and not something else? I just had a feeling is all. Mr. Armstrong, did that feeling have anything to do with the color of Mr. Bradley's skin? That's ridiculous. Have you ever heard the term racial profiling? Yes. Could you explain it to us? It's making assumptions about whether or not someone is a suspect based on their race. Have you ever used racial... So she's about to go into racial profiling with a black cop. Yeah. Well, and 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 why wouldn't? I mean, yeah. like, oh, totally. racism is not not exclusively a white thing. No, no, no. I think it's actually a really interesting extra lens. Yeah. Well, and I'm and I think it's the obvious lens, you know. But which is why I was surprised when we get a we get a glance from uh, from uh, Rebecca and and um, Cameron. Like, what? Where is she going? Like, well, of course she's going there. Mm -hmm. Profiling in your position as a police officer? If you look closely, you'll see that I'm black. Thank you. Have you ever made derogatory statements about any ethnic or racial group? No. Do we know the ethnicity of the victim? Is that the truth, Mr. Armstrong? I believe he's black. Yes, it is. I don't know if we know that yet, but yes. Your Honor, at this time, the Commonwealth would like to call a rebuttal witness. Hillary there's some murmur, murmur. She's an ex-girlfriend. We lived together till about three years ago. When's the last time you spoke to her? Well, we speak every once in a while. We split on okay terms. Well, Craig, she must have something to say. Did you talk to her about the shooting? Yes, but I told her the same thing I told everybody else. I told her what happened. And you never said, God, what have I done? Or I've made a big mistake? I was upset about it. I told her that. But I didn't admit to being wrong or anything. All right, what about this racial profiling issue? Did you ever talk to her about that? No. What's going on, Rebecca? What are they doing? I don't know. Uh, trying to put you in prison, I believe. I believe but that's we'll find the out idea. soon enough. Hold you accountable for mowing down a kid in a store unprovoked. He looked like scum, Keith. Yeah, but, you know, we're, we're frowning on mowing them down anyway these days. 
You ready? It's quarter to eight. I'm ready. Some of us are. I'm sorry Probably. this has been so much trouble. I, I, I never, it's, it's just... She's a friend and you need sex. Please don't make fun of me. This case, is it, is it pushing a button that I, I can't see? Maybe. Listen, Kelly. Excuse me. <clears throat> Listen, Lindsay. I've got to go into the fiction of the metaverse so that... Listen, all I'm saying, Lindsay, yeah. is that... Okay, I'm ready. Please tell me. You're not married yet. Okay, I know. I know I'm not married. I, we're, we're engaged. Oh, see, now it's weird because you're playing Kelly. <laughs> I was gonna Suck go, it up. This is theater. Uh, <laughs> comedian? Improv? <laughs> Intern Jen has stepped out. <laughs> so it's she's, just us. She's meeting some friends, so it's just me and you, Kelly. Excuse me, it's me and you, Lindsay. <laughs> so if Bobby is too busy at work, uh -huh. I got a 600 square foot apartment and a very big dick. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to hit on the camera. I think when a couple splits up, I, I feel threatened by it. That marriage doesn't work. Well, if your friend's marriage was well, broken Well, you just, day, Mike just hit so far, on I, I Lindsay, point. Kelly, Keith, all at the <laughs> same time. <laughs> That's like the human centipede, the David E. Kelly, <laughs> or the Out of Practice Podcast Human Centipede. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that took a turn. <laughs> and I can't undo it, unfortunately. Oh, no, this the, it exists forever now. Remember all those times I made fun of you for the second safety pee, Keith? Uh-huh. I'm suffering uh -huh. now. Don't you, don't you wish you had one? Yeah. Mm, look at this nice glass of water. Mm. As an example of the institution. They had a really strong marriage, Bobby, for so long. And then, poof. He lit up? Yes. She had a baby. She, she couldn't drop the weight. She got a little fat. And he switched to a cigar. Will that be your argument? Hold on, called <laughs> no. her old friend a little fat. It was played by a person. I still want to make love to you. And I am not going to switch to a cigar. If the passion is eroding even before we walk down the aisle... My passion isn't eroding. Promise. Promise. It's getting some ASMR here. Oh. Yeah, boy, jeez. I definitely uh, didn't say a joke I was planning <laughs> to, and I'm glad marriage. that I didn't. Right up until the moment my father left. Oh, sad piano. Their marriage wasn't perfect, Lindsay. They were just sheltering you from it. You know that. I think I'm anxious to blame those cigars myself in this case. Because I don't want to believe that people just stop loving each other. See, that is as much of the backstory subtext as I want. Yep. I think I learned everything I needed to know about what's going on. We lived together for two years, from 1994 to 1996. Miss Pope, during the course of your relationship, did the defendant ever express any feelings about African Americans? Sometimes. This is the so cop's ex-girlfriend, played by Susan Dalian. The N-word. All right. Occasionally, people will use derogatory terms about people of their own race affectionately and not maliciously. Are you sure that wasn't what was going on? No, I know what you're talking about. It's so bizarre. It's just, I know we say it every time it happens, but it's so bizarre that this is the episode where it always works out this way. Yeah. Yeah. Today, today is uh, June 20th, the day after Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth, everyone. Uh, the day of the big Trump rally 
disaster it's going to be tonight. We don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you it won't be good. It's so serendipitous. Actually, oh man, talk about tangents. This one's for Jennifer, our new founding sponsor. Keith, yesterday I went into a rabbit hole because I was tasked by a neighbor to explain the difference between kismet and serendipity. Would you care to, as the writer of the group, would you care to weigh in before I give you the answer? Oh, yes. I would I would say that kismet is fate, or serendipity is good luck. That's exactly right. Uh, Boom! Kismet is SATs, fate, and serendipity... Serendipity is unexpected, unintended, good fortune. So there you go. Keith is right. I said it. <laughs> cut it. Cut it, print. Call someone a nigger. He means it in the Whoa, way the word was originally came right intended. back in there. Objection. Yeah. Foundation. Her foundation Yikes. is she lived with him. It's also inflammatory she and is prejudicial and has nothing to testimony as to the defendant's whatsoever. state of mind. All right. I'm allowing the testimony. Ms. Washington, you're free to cross-examine. Please sit. I, I have to say it. You know, you hear that word in music, you hear it in various contexts, but hearing somebody, anybody of any race, saying it on broadcast television is... Very startling. Yes. <laughs> Especially coming out of a very flippant conversation about the definition of a word. Well, yeah, no, seriously, but I, I, I think, I think it's appropriate in this context. Uh, but it's because it does have that when weight, and, I, and it should, and it's relevant way. to the case. Was there a context? He was usually unwinding at the end of the day. He'd talk about all the shiftless niggers he had to roust, or the welfare Jemimas Yikes. with their litters of kids. He called them litters like dogs. That's a lie. Officer Armstrong, sit down. So, did Officer so the cop Armstrong, is blatantly to racist. knowledge, ever make these kind of derogatory remarks about white people? No, he did not. So when Mr. Armstrong made these comments you said he made, how did you respond to them? I didn't say anything. You never said anything? You should point out that the you actress saying it is black. You didn't say, please don't use black. those ugly words when referring to black people? No. So for two years, you lived with Mr. Armstrong making derogatory comments about African-Americans, and you never said anything. If his comments were so offensive, why did you stay with him? He wasn't abusive to me, and eventually I did leave him. Did you report any of this to Officer Armstrong's superiors? No. But we should believe you now. I'm telling the truth. Or maybe you saw your ex-boyfriend on TV and thought you could really stick it to him one last time. Objection. Sustained. Did the police come to you or did you go to them? I went to them. Hmm. Why? That's such a good beat from Lisa because Gay I Hamilton think Craig there. Oh, incredible. Pulled the trigger on a black person he happened on in a convenience store. Like she knows she just got crushed, but and tried to hide it. I specifically and gave us asked, did she have anything to say swallow. on the racial profiling? I never said the stuff she said I did. Why would she lie? I don't know. Maybe that's the way she heard it, but I never said it like that. Did you call black women Jemimas and their children litters of kids? It wasn't like that. Well, how was it like? Literally just this week in the news, the corporation that owns uh, Mrs. Butterworth and, and, yes. and Uncle Ben's Rice and Aunt Jemima, they're all being forced to 
let's let's look at the positive slant and say that they're looking at the the message that sends that type of branding. You know, <clears throat> more cynically, I would say that it's more of a marketing push. But <clears throat> yeah, well, it's it is far 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 too late to eradicate that type of you know racial racist imagery but it's better that it happens than it doesn't happen yep but i think what it shines a light on and this is way too far way too deep of a rabbit hole to get into but is it highlights just the staggering amount of hypocrisy that exists in our popular culture well when we talk about institutional racism that's part of it right like that that it's just ingrained in the fabric of our community, the way we speak. And, you know, even like common phrases we've used our whole life that we didn't understand the etymology of. Like saying, right. oh, I got gypped or I, I was caught flat footed or any call, of those call things. Call a spade a spade. You know, just. Yeah. And like you're like, even even today, I know there are things that I'm saying <laughs> that I'm I'm not clocking the etymology of. And and reinforcing that institutional racist environment that we live in. And it's, it's, and this is why we need to perpetually be listening and learning and, and be diligent and hold ourselves accountable. For right. I think that's, Keith, you stumble upon a really important, I think, point as a whole here is that, look, for years, I'll speak for myself. I thought it was as simple as saying, oh, well, I'm not racist. I, I love everybody. Uh, I'm, my friends are my friends, regardless. But the truth right. is, that's not good enough. Because well, it, it also... It's, well, the, it's the, the point of systemic... Oh, go, go ahead, go ahead, yeah. Yeah, like, systemic means it's ingrained in my culture, in my life, in ways that I don't know. And rather than just right. saying I'm not something... I have to. We have to explore and find out the ways in which we are, and be willing to admit that and change that. And I think yeah. that's an important that's an important distinction because it's if we don't allow people to change, then it's moot, right? We have to, but we yeah. have to start with ourselves. Well, and 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 realize that it doesn't have to be intentional to participate in a racist environment and you know it's it's part of white privilege is believing that you're not participating in it mm -hmm. and not realizing that you are not no part like me not realizing these the etymology of these phrases are part of my privilege and it is you know, and that is part of what the responsibility my responsibility and all of our responsibility is is to eradicate those things and stick to it and actually do it and and speak up when our uncle says whatever whatever and mm -hmm. and continue to uh like we said the other day like be anti-racist not just not not racist and so, call out the hypocrisy right so like roger right. goodell comes out saying the nfl look we dropped the ball we should have allowed we should have listened more when these protests were taking place seasons ago colin kaepernick et cetera, et cetera, the kneeling and yet right. we've still got racist names in the teams well we've, that's i was that was I was literally going to tag with it's time Washington racist names football team. Yeah. It's time. It's a hundred years too late. Yeah, right. Talk about opportunity. There's opportunities for many people to get on the right side of history here because I, I do believe we are at an inflection point and 
people have to take a take a side. Yeah, it's about fucking time, guys. Come on. How was it like? Come on. You're a defense attorney, Rebecca. We deal with the same scum. I do not think of human beings as scum. And if you do... Hey, you ever been out there? It's a tough job. After a while, it's hard to sympathize with people who are smoking crack or boosting VCRs or shooting children. Sympathize with black people. You're going to tell me when you see a news teaser for some awful crime, you don't say a silent prayer that it's not one of us? And when you see that it is, Rebecca, do you sympathize or are you disgusted? Neither. I'm in pain. It hurts. Look, it's these criminals that make us look bad. And that's why I'd sometimes blow off steam in the privacy of my own home. Make us look bad to who? To white folks? All folks. Look, if you want to be lumped in with those animals out there, that's fine. But animals. I Animals. Yes. Some people act like animals and they deserve the same amount of respect. That's all I was saying to Hillary. Nothing more. Did you take this one feels... look at Will Bradley and think he was one of those animals? It was a clean shoot, Rebecca. Do you hear yourself? I don't know who you are anymore. I'm somebody who wanted to get out of the neighborhood just as bad as you. Look at you. You're a lawyer. You made it. Well, so did I. Keith, any information on uh, co-writer Samantha Corbin Miller, her ethnicity, just because I think this is a really interesting conversation that would hold a lot more weight. I'm just that curious. Is, no, that's a very good question. <laughs> As I it, secretly in my own brain was like, oh my God, just two white guys just talked about race for like 20 minutes. But, you know, we're trying. Well, at least we didn't uh, speak as authorities. I mean, I think... <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, that is for damn sure. Uh, I do not know. I do not I, know. I, I think this is just a really interesting lens. It's because... I don't know. Well, it, it, it feels like a sequel yeah. to the... I think it was the first or second season episode where the cop was fired for being racist and said, like, the institution made me racist. And and I can see here how being a part of the police force, in it it's it's not just what he's experiencing on the job. It's how are they all talking back at the at the house? How you know, how is what is a conversation with his partners? How are they all reacting to these things? Because that is contagious. That contempt is contagious. Well, and, and I think what's interesting from his point of view is that. And this has to do with, I think, a lot of uh, classism and racism and and the like, is that he's speaking in immediate results. Here's what I'm witnessing. Here's what's happening with these people. Whereas Rebecca is able to look at it more, not objectively, zoom out a bit. Well, why? Why is it that 90% of the drug users and abusers you get to or that you deal with are black? Why is it that you know, crime in these particular neighborhoods is higher than other places. That's, it's not, you know, there are reasons behind that. Yeah. So, so, socio, socioeconomically, And you returned one of those white cops we grew up with. Yeah, there it is. Great performance by Lisa Hamilton as always. All right, look. Eleanor just still plead this out. Put, hang back and listen to, to that. Let us try. Steam. Outdoors. <laughs> I would hardly consider a cigar the doom of my marriage. Can you tell us what was? 
mainly we stopped communicating. It may sound like the old cliche, but we drifted Shall apart. Shall we? Before he talks? Eventually, the estrangement Guys, just, left us his both name is Kevin Loomis. Isolated. And then... You don't get a bumper, motherfucker. Then I met somebody yeah. else. I fell in love. And it was after you met this other woman. We filed for divorce shortly after. At some mm -hmm. point during your estrangement, you began smoking cigars. Yes, but that... Thank you. Are you addicted to them? Probably. How many do you smoke a day? Six or seven. It seems Six like or seven. At the moment. both of our Good cases Lord. are losers. Is that this what you're telling them? Please far. tell her anything. Please direct your responses to me. How's your professional life? It's not good. I was laid off as a senior accountant 11 months ago. Now I'm employed as a junior accountant. Less money? Yes. Mr. Pinkner, according to your wife, when you would argue over your smoking cigars, you would say you like the way they make you feel. Could you explain that? Well, uh, cigar means success. They're expensive. They stand for victory. You look at these magazines. Success. You said something about flicking an ash. Oh, yeah. They're super fat. Flick an ash, it's like I dust off a problem. It makes me powerful. More expensive the cigar, the more important I am. Why the cigar clubs, Mr. Pinkner? I don't know. The exclusivity of it makes you feel like somebody. Sitting. Very forthcoming in this deposition. Yeah, he's very straightforward. I liked it. I'm still so confused. Where are you going with all this? One more meeting. I just need to do a little research. Bobby, hi. I'm with Jimmy. If I could get you to sit in, that'd be great. Show of strength. The meeting is at three. Uh, you won't have to do anything. Just back me up when necessary. I'll be back in an hour and a half. Lucy, could you straighten up the conference room? Do you know where she's headed with this? Not really. And why aren't they... Why isn't she telling out. her co-counsel what the strategy is? On. You put reckless on the table, Helen. That was before you made me try it. I'm not pleading out now. Look, you know at worst this guy was overzealous. He is certainly Look, Eleanor. I put the offer at worst out there and you overzealous. Said, no, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> we have grounds on unfair surprise anyway. Why not just bank your conviction? Sorry. Uh, kids, if you're watching too. at home, that behind Eleanor there is called a payphone. There used to be oh. phones you would put money into mm -hmm. a quarter, yeah. and you then you could make a phone call. Well. I'm old enough to remember when it was a dime. Uh, did you ever make a collect call and be like, Mom, I'm at the mall. Pick me up. And then hang up. Uh, I never made a collect call, but I certainly had a phone card. That's what I was using through college. <laughs> Dial in the numbers. Mom pays for the long distance. Because long, remember, long distance used to be a thing. And this has been We're Old, featuring the Out of Practice podcast. We're old. Ouch. I'm 40. I'm 40 years old. His juvie record. Excuse me? The victim. Craig said he had a long juvie record. It shouldn't be sealed anymore. Does the seal survive death? I don't think so. Let's go get him. You want to put the victim on trial? We just want to introduce his priors. Why? Our client made a judgment call, Your Honor, a judgment based on nine years of experience in the field. Mr. Bradley. Who's the judge? Who's that, the judge? Yeah. Yeah. Get it. Uh, that's Richard McGonigal back. Uh, he's been our judge many times. 
has a pretty extensive and juvenile Patrick criminal Wilcox. record, including being a suspect in a murder. What are you saying? That your client knows one when he sees one? Well, in essence, yes. Oh, please, shoot away. The kid was a suspected murderer. The jury should be allowed to hear that. You know, this is absolutely ridiculous. The only relevancy goes to the defendant's state of mind, and he did not know the victim was a murder suspect when he opened fire. He had opportunity to observe his demeanor. Nice try, but forget it. The victim's priors did not come in. Your Honor. No chance. That's the right Any more witnesses? For sure. Closing arguments, 3.30. Wow, so now you don't what? often get the hard no. The elements. You still have a yeah. shot. If the jury believed you, you're home. Well, this kid was bad. He had two aggravated assaults. And a murder charge got kicked because of a bad search. Oh, my God. I knew the man this kid killed. What? I think it was Gavin Page. Remember, he lived in our street. He was this tall guy. Oh. We didn't need that underscoring, but we got nope. it. Nope. What? And that? You're close with Gavin Page. When was the last time you saw him? Come on, Eleanor, keep up. We all know what's happening here. You sum him a bitch. Oh my god. Oh my god, what? <laughs> Eleanor Smart. This shooting than that. wasn't Eleanor, a mistake, was it, Craig? This Eleanor hit her head before shot the scene? Your friend? got kicked because of a bad search. You executed him. Clean shoot. You're a murderer. Clean shoot. The reason the store owner saw no gun, he had no gun. You planted it on him after the kid went down. Victor Williams. Clean shoot. Excellent, excellent performance here. Yeah. No, I feel, I feel torn about this twist. It's happening very it, early. It is happening early, and I. <sighs> there are parts of it, obviously, once it becomes first degree murder, like it gets much more like juicy. But I think, looking in with twenty twenty eyes, I think the point of him of just the, the institutional racism slash the cops just blowing people away based on hunches is a stronger point than if this was a first degree thing in some ways. Well, as tends to happen, sometimes the conversation we think should be taking place gets sidetracked for the, what's the more salacious, easier, big picture conversation to have in a one hour drama. Yeah. Which it, which however, this does have both. Right. So that it's it's it is not it is just sort of like an added seasoning as opposed to the whole thing was about it. Uh but anyway, I sort of like slash don't like that twist. It's a little extra marinade for you, Keith. Yeah, yeah. I grew Delicious. up with a man. I loved him even. Rebecca, you hadn't seen him for over ten years. So what's the somebody, move now, right? Right? That is the question. Somebody. I, I, I can't believe. We just put our best faces on and we do the job. That's what they taught us in law school, remember? That's what we've Legal been talking about class, for four seasons. Just, I'm not sure I can close. 72 episodes so far. Look, if you feel you're going to be too emotional about it, I suppose I can do it, but... It should probably be you. Why? Because you're black. 
And in the wake of this racial profiling thing, we need a black attorney to stand up there and close. It'll help, Rebecca. Let's not kid ourselves. Our best chance at acquittal is you. And they have a duty That's to try to get it. Going for, right? An acquittal. Now I have already Shades given you way more time than this I'm at the point of instructing counsel to bring an action against you for abuse of process. That's not going to happen, Mr. Stewart. <laughs> Do you really think I'm going to pay your client money? A broken marriage because her husband smoked cigars? Do I look like the idiot of the new millennium to you? This is Lindsay Dole, bitch. I see symptoms of intelligence, and that's why you will settle this case. Good line. You might think we have a lousy claim, Mr. Stewart. But we'll survive summary judgment, and here's why. It's foreseeable that cigar smoking breeds contempt between men and women. And when you promote institutions like cigar clubs, which serve to segregate husbands and wives, it's foreseeable that it could lead to some marital estrangement. When you publish magazines that seduce men with imagery of success and affluence that goes along with smoking a cohiba, it's foreseeable that some men will fall for it, especially men like Mr. Pinkner, who by his own testimony started smoking just because it made him feel good, made him feel commensurate with the luster of your magazine. Will that survive a judgment? Probably not. Back to that comment Kelly Williams made about memorizing lines. Yeah. Will we survive summary judgment? Yes. And when we get to trial, you can be sure we will be playing the addiction card. Mr. Pinkner had no choice but to smoke these things once he became addicted. Do we like that word? Addicted, addicted, addicted. And we certainly don't want any form asking that question, do we, Mr. Stewart? Because it still remains the dirty little secret of the cigar manufacturers. The attorneys general of every state have already targeted cigarette companies. You don't see characters on TV puffing Pall Malls anymore. But with cigars, they still remain untouched. They're still trendy, politically correct. And the idea that that could change billions and billions of dollars, addicted, 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 this law firm beat the tobacco companies once with cigarettes. I'm all set to take you on here. Cancer of the lip, tongue, throat, larynx, esophagus, pulmonary lung disease, coronary heart disease. All of these risks come into play in this case. Why? Because my client testified that her health concerns attributed to the arguments that led to estrangement. Fear of cancer is an issue. Were her fears reasonable? Question of fact. You people peddle carcinogens. Toxic little cancer sticks with carbon monoxide, nicotine, hydrogen cyanide, and people still think it's cool. By the time this trial is over, I will make you seem so uncool and I'll get the attention. You know why? Because I have a track record already of beating the tobacco companies. All the law journals are waiting to see who I take on next. It's you. So keep laughing. Make my day. It's you. Shit. The WAP. Lindsay's. I got a very big dick. Damn right. He saw what he thought was a gun. What was he supposed to do? Hold on, hold on. Even a store owner was going after Sorry, his I own got, rifle. I got he playing one bumper, would... and I forgot the importance of. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing. For the defense, Rebecca Williams, Washington, was about to be robbed. You heard my client's testimony. This was a mistake. What he said. He saw Will Bradley reach for his gun. The victim never grabbed his gun. It was found inside his jacket. 
We also heard testimony from Mr. Armstrong's former girlfriend. She told us how this man would discriminate against some blacks, how he was prejudiced towards kids because of their color, their poverty. He walked into the store, made a judgment, and started shooting. And there is no evidence to suggest that. None. And nobody in the department ever heard him say the things his ex-girlfriend says he said because he never said them. What would be her motive to lie? A lot of trouble to go to just because of her feelings. What would be Mr. Armstrong's motive to shoot? The Commonwealth has offered no motive whatsoever here. Why? Because this was an accident. This is a police officer sitting at that table. A good man. Another yeah, amazing little Who thought little he beat. was preventing a robbery. And let's ask ourselves, why did Will Bradley have that gun? Let's ask ourselves, if Craig Armstrong hadn't come in, what would have happened? Maybe the store owner would be dead. So easy for us to second guess. This happened in a second, and Craig Armstrong had to make a quick call. And he just opened fire. That's the call he made. He shot a man three times. The call he made was murder. Now, do we just excuse that because he's a cop? That's your call. $270,000. What did yeah, you say? Yeah, she got it. Minus contingency and costs, you'll net out around one seventy-five or so. How? I, I don't understand. You all but assured me I had no case. You didn't. Yeah, but I also called you kind of chubby, and I feel like that's worth a quarter mil. Uh, at least. But that's the thing about this business. The, the merits of the actual case sometimes have nothing to do with the outcome. <laughs> My God. Congratulations. Lindsay. She doesn't want it. Can we sue her? Who? The woman he fell in love with, the other woman, she knew he was married when Martha. she... Alienation of affection, same cause of action. Don't get greedy. people to sue on this one. She's mad. You need to move on now. As a rich person. What am I going to do? Well, she got 170 Just something doesn't make go you rich. Home with 170. Seems like she might have been to begin with. I would take that 170. I'll smart start forcing Jen to smoke cigars just so that maybe I got a shot. <laughs> I'll take $5, 17. Yeah, right. He's gone, Martha. You have to move on. Oh, that's funny. Her name is Martha, as in Martha Kent from Smallville. Yeah, that's right. But not. That's why she uh, didn't make it out of the pilot. She was too angry about sure. cigars. Hey. You won. Wow, what a cool close-up of Kelly Williams there. What do you think Lindsay's dealing with? She really had this, like, she was really trying to factor some things out in her head there. We don't quite know what, but... Well, there was, this whole thing for Lindsay was about marriage. 
you know, she's about to about to marry Bobby. She's feeling insecure about their attachment. And so, I mean, she's she's staring through, working through the disillusion of a marriage as she's afraid to start her own. That's pretty good, Keith, I got to say. Yeah, I do a podcast. Have you heard about it? No, you don't say. Yeah, it's a, it's called the Wisdom of One. It's a it's a D&D podcast. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I should check it out. Yeah, you should. Okay, it's verdict time for Rebecca's case. Will the defendant please rise? Mr. Foreman, you've reached a unanimous verdict. We have, Your Honor. What say you? In the matter of the Commonwealth versus Armstrong on the charge of murder two, we find a defendant, Craig Armstrong, not guilty. Wow. On the charge of manslaughter, we find a defendant not guilty. Well, Rebecca, you Thank won. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. This court is adjourned. You did it. Doesn't seem so happy Thank about you. it, Keith. Nobody seems happy except Thank for you. him. Congratulations, Craig. You can go. I can live with myself. Well, that's the difference between us, I guess. Interesting. Case is over. Week is over. Let's go home. I'm ready. You've got everybody stunned, Lindsay. How you manufactured that case got them to pay money. I know the fear of a trial scared them, but still, you sued a cigar company for breaking up a marriage. Yeah. She does not seem thrilled about it. Too thrilled for someone who just pulled a rabbit out of a hat. You know what scares me, Bobby? A cigar really did break Talk of rabbits. Yeah, she's been very familiar with that rabbit since uh, Dylan has been, or Bobby has been uh, preoccupied. I got a very big rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that tickled me. That tickled her, too. (laughs) They were a close couple. He lost his job. Suffered some esteem problems, some depression. He bought a few of those silly cigar magazines and saw the beautiful people in expensive clothes puffing away, and he basically tried to escape to that world by smoking cigars and joining those clubs. And he suddenly was in this universe that excluded Martha, and they... So you think the cigar company should really be held liable? No. They both won cases that they didn't really believe in this week, Keith. How yeah. fragile marriages. Oh man, she's bringing the tears. Suffer depression, seek escape. A loving couple, and they were loving. I saw them. I knew them. House of Cards. So good. She's so good. I'm never gonna stop loving you. 
do you know? Because I got the script. I've only just begun to love you. <laughs> oh, single tear. Kelly Williams. Her and Lisa Gay are going to have a fight to the death this it week. It is really going to be tough so for the Oopsies this week. And there wow. you have it. Wow. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and hop back over to the, hop back over to the YouTube's. And folks, we are back. We have just watched the episode "Blowing Smoke: The Practice" season four, episode eleven. And now, for those of you who are just on the YouTube, we are adding a new segment. It doesn't have a song yet, but Mike's going to do that this week. And that is, what does Mike remember happened just now? We're going to put 30 seconds on the board and go. This week, Rebecca successfully defends an ex-boyfriend racist cop who executes a kid in a convenience store. Meanwhile, Lindsay successfully sues a cigar company for ruining the marriage of an old friend of hers, even though it's not really about her old friend, but more about Lindsay's fear about her upcoming marriage to Bobby McDee. Yes, well done. Well thank done. You, Hold you. on, you deserve this. Well done. And it is now time to begin. Are you excited about it? So excited. Excited. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now... Here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, clearly, the oopsies are our amazing award show that has all of the prestige you would imagine a completely fictional award show about an unlistened-to podcast. Okay, and we begin, of course, with... Most... So this is where we're going to get, uh, well, man, we're going to have a lot of complicated conversations. This, this is going to be a difficult one. Yeah. So go. Who's your best? Who's your most valuable lawyer, Dex? Man. Yeah, you have to go first. That's how this works. Shit. Well. All right, let's, let's talk through the nominees. Okay, the nominees, I believe, are Rebecca Washington and... Lindsay Dole. They both okay. win their cases this week. Lindsay brings a lot of money into the firm. Rebecca is successful, even though they both are left with some moral quandaries. Yes. Lindsay pulled the biggest rabbit out of her hat, I think. Yes. She pulled the most sort of legal mumbo-jumbo. She manufactured jumbo. the win as opposed to there were some sort of institutional advantages that Rebecca had here. 
Yeah, I think. And she wasn't really. She was Jimmy. She called as her second chair, who didn't do anything. He, he didn't even know what was happening. <laughs> he was just there, like waiting for the catering to show up with some sandwiches. Uh, you know what? I think I am going to go with Lindsay Dole this week. Okay. All right. Well, uh, for my half of the very important Oopsie Award, I'm going to throw a curveball. And I am going to give it to Helen Gamble. Whoa. Even though she lost. Yes, she As did. prosecuting the cop for murdering somebody in a store. And here's why. Uh, first off, uh, our good friend Phoenix is always talking about not being so results-oriented and be more about what she did. But it's not even... I, I thought she did a, a perfectly good job in the court case. But I am giving this to her for even bothering to prosecute the cop for shooting somebody. Because that is a really... As we're finding out now, it's really difficult for a DA to prosecute uh, a, a cop for shooting somebody, for killing somebody. But it also leads me to another question on that. Would this cop have even been charged if he were white? Hmm. And I think, uh, I, I don't know. But anyway, he deserved to be charged. He deserved to have consequences for what he did. And even though he was acquitted, uh, she did try to hold him accountable and I thought did a good job. And thinking about it, if this case took place in 2020, I think she would have won. So I, I uh, sure hope so. For that reason, I give mine to Helen Gamble. So congratulations, Lindsay Dole and Helen Gamble for splitting this week's Most Valuable Lawyer Award. Which takes us to our next category. Already famous cause you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. First entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. I think it goes without saying. Luckily, we don't have to spend too much time on this one. Victor Williams, an amazing performance as Officer yeah. Craig Armstrong. A difficult performance, I'm sure, on many levels. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, very easy, I think, to go overboard when you're playing the racist bad cop. But I think the fact that he played it with such um, subtlety, and I'm sure that was a good portion direction as well, uh, really adds some interesting grays to yeah. the to the palette, and, and I think he also played it. And I, I think this is part of the misdirection of it: is that he he's a huge guy, but physically, his facial structure he looks like a really nice guy, and he played it with this sort of like integrity throughout the entire episode that was chipped away once we found out what was actually happening. And I thought. It was just a good misdirection there, and I thought he did. Uh, and the fact that he all he he never gave up his perspective of having done the right thing, um, and played that honestly. And I I don't know. I, I, I thought, yes, it was a it was a very very good performance. So congratulations to Victor Williams on your best guest 
Actor Award. And now comes another difficult one. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. I think it's between Kelly Williams and Lisa Gay Hamilton here once again. Yep. I and Kelly gave an excellent performance, especially that last scene with Bobby, I thought was really special. Yeah. However, on the whole, I still think Lisa Gay had a more comprehensive episode as an actress. And I think she she had so many interesting beats. That facial beat alone in the courtroom, I think, is my favorite, where she didn't say anything. Yeah. And yeah. just had a realization and then had to adapt and then change her her tactic as the character like that in a non-scripted beat. Awesome. Also, her realization in her interview with uh, her ex-boyfriend, Officer Craig Armstrong, where she realized that he actually was a bad guy. Right, it, right. Just a lot of conflict that she was able to resolve as an actress and it, and do that in a way that we as the audience saw it and felt it, I just thought was really a masterclass once again. And I'm happy to award my vote to Lisa Gay Hamilton. Yeah, well, I, everything you said about Lisa Gay's performance is absolutely true. And I, it's funny, I, I think you said that like her character went on the bigger journey. And I actually think that Lindsay's character showed more different colors mm -hmm. you know her pat like her her like eviscerating of the uh of the tobacco guy you know at the end of the closing that case and her her sort of vulnerability with bobby I, it was a tremendous performance from kelly williams um and i think would be deserving of an oopsie almost any other week of the show but i actually agree with you i think lisa gay's the level of skill it takes to stick the landing so subtly that you're able to, the director had to trust that she was going to do a tremendous amount of nonverbal storytelling completely like instantaneously so fast. She's in the middle of a line and, and that's all it is. That little pause is all that she had to tell us a whole bunch. And she really did. And it's just tremendous, tremendous work by Lisa Gay Hamilton. Mm -hmm. So uh, congratulations, Lisa Gay Hamilton. You win the Oopsie for Best Actor. Coming up next, everybody's favorite. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Oh, Tom. Tom, oh, Tom, Tom, Tom. Tom, Tom. Well, as you may, well, maybe you don't know this, Keith, but on Monday, so the day before this podcast drops, mm -hmm. we here in New York City will be entering phase two. Oh, yes. Which means that you can go get a haircut again and like eat outside and stuff. I cut my own hair. Thank you very much. Yeah, it looks uh, great. Not horrible. Um. <laughs> Yeah, look That's at that. That's not terrible, it, right? No, it's not bad at all. Still have hair on my head. 
So I think that it only makes sense that this week's Tom Brady Award for top, being Tom Brady is awarded to Phase 2 Tom Brady. Phase 2 Tom Brady. Which will oh. not only force you to do some, to do some uh, photoshopping, but will also force you to educate yourself on the actual particulars of Phase 2 so that you can adequately visualize it for our audience. Yeah, I'm really curious exactly how I can visually represent Phase 2 for Mr. Tom Brady, but you have thrown me many challenges over the years, and uh, I accept the challenge to come up with Phase 2 Tom Brady. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Yeah. Last week, we were very divided. Yes. Yes, we were. This week, we'll see, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it raised some really interesting conversations. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, I, the tobacco case wasn't even that particularly, the cigar case wasn't particularly interesting. We've been, we've we've spun that tire before. Yeah. But looking at it, framing it through a narrative lens of Lindsay's stress and anxiety about relationships in her marriage, I, it worked for me. I know that that's sometimes not your bag. You're, the relationship dramas isn't usually your thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it sold it for me, and I didn't find it to be so bizarrely juxtaposed with a really heavy sort of social commentary in the other case. I do think the other case suffered a little bit because it it sort of. I still think it's more interesting when he, they don't just make him an outright bad guy, which he sort of admits to when they pull up the sort of first degree murder from before. I think right. that that it sort of one notes the character a bit, but well, he didn't. There wasn't a first degree murder before. He he did first degree murder because he was getting revenge on the guy. Right, right. I just meant when they brought up his other cases and how they and blah 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 blah. Anyway, what I'm saying is that I thought it was really a really cool episode. I thought it was well acted, well performed. Even the comedic beats worked this time. Like just have and they didn't do as many. Just having. Lucy, with her one little comedic beat in the beginning, Jimmy had a couple of Jimmys. I just thought it was a really solid, typical performance. A story, B story, both were solid. I thought it was good. So I'm going to give it eight spare tires for season four, episode 11. Eight spare tires. Yeah, you know, I I agree with you on sort of all of that. I thought that the, the... the cigar case. I was wondering where is this going. I mean, I there's. I, I'm so. I, I love watching Lindsay smack tobacco around like that. That just brings me joy. Um, but she, Lindsay is wishing something else was getting smacked around. If you know what I'm saying. I got a very big dick. Okay, we're gonna. <laughs> We're gonna have to retire that bumper at some point. <laughs> uh, but like you know, the tying it to the marriage didn't make any sense to to me until sort of clocking what's going on with Lindsay coming up with the marriage to Bobby. So um, that 
that storyline sort of retroactively redeemed itself. It retroactively became uh, an interesting storyline. So sometimes that happens, and that's okay. Uh, and I, I thought the case, you know, uh, Rebecca's case was, I mean, again, so relevant, so prescient. I really liked that. I, I really liked that this episode didn't both sides it. You know, on on some ways, like you know, the the gray area, the ambiguity, um, fine. That's that's sort of the bread and butter of the show. But in this case, a cop shooting somebody for no reason shouldn't be both sides. Mm-hmm. And even though I think they 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 pushed it a little too far by having it be first degree, I like that it was. We didn't have like our team and Helen's team sort of on equal footing. And we're like, who's gonna win? I don't know what's gonna happen. I I liked seeing in uh in in Rebecca's character the like, oh shit, we are on the wrong side of that wrong side of this. There isn't really both sides to this. This is just flat out murder. And I I like that they held that accountable. I thought that was a that was a good beat for the show, especially looking back on it twenty one years later or twenty years later. Now we're we're in the year two thousand. So, in the year two thousand, yeah. So, uh, actually, after that speech, I have talked myself into (laughs) matching your eight spare tires. So, congratulations, blowing smoke. You have earned eight spare tires from the Out of Practice podcast. And if you would like to join us, join the conversation, well, first off, you can comment right below. Like and subscribe, leave a comment here, or you can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. We are on the social medias on Instagram and Facebook at Out of Practice Podcast. You can find our blog, check out all of our graphics, more things going on at Out of Practice Podcast.blogspot.com. You can give us money, and Mike will tell you how. It's always in the show notes. You can become a monthly subscriber by clicking on that particular link in the show notes, or you can send us a one-time donation like our new friend, Jennifer did, uh, through our (laughs) PayPal link, which is also below. I'm sorry, I haven't memorized everybody's name yet. Uh, Luckily, there are so few of you that I can probably do that. (laughs) If you will be in the greater Cape May, New Jersey area next week, come check out Keith and I will both be there, but stay far, far away. (laughs) because we're only phase two baby yes and please join the jury and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting service just let us know about it we will read it and welcome you to the jury set your phasers to phase two and shoot off some laser sounds laser sounds